Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. What is up, everyone? It is good to be back. I can breathe a sigh of relief on a couple of fronts. Firstly, our intros lasted another off-season, fellas, where the players haven't actually switched teams. So we can save a few pennies on the cameo recordings, which is always a good thing. And secondly, I've actually managed to get the podcast to actually record at the third time of asking, but we won't go too deep behind our curtain just to say it's been a bit of a disastrous start to the 2022-2023 season. But it will be our biggest one yet as we bring you the flagship show from the Full 10 Yards, the NFL podcast, now part of the Full 10 Yards Network. I'll let Josh explain a little more on that as I introduce him into the podcast. Josh, how you doing, my friend? How has your I'm, off-season been? I'm all good. I'm pretty sure I've had a busier off-season than I've had an on-season. Um, yeah, as you've, uh, as you've introduced, we're now part of uh, the Full 10 Yards Network, bringing in, bringing in some uh, club uk channels from across the league and beyond um really excited as to uh, how that looks not only for for them and also for the full teams but also this podcast as well i think that uh it's gonna it's gonna definitely break up the browns monopoly we seem to have over steve at the very least so i think he'll be happy enough with that but no lots of stuff in the pipeline mate and uh to be honest i could use the training camp just to uh just just have a bit of relax myself, but it ain't going to happen. No, no, we'll certainly be cranking into overdrive now, mate, as uh, the season fast approaches. As you say, training camp's pretty much up and running across the league now. Steve, your name has been mentioned. Let's welcome you back in, buddy. How have you been over these last few months? Uh, it's good to be back, isn't it? Football is almost here. I'm already seeing... Philadelphia fan accounts on Twitter losing everything because Jalen Hurts supposedly had a bad day at practice. That can only mean that training camp is back, everyone. It is good to be back. And we use the preseason, don't we, to turn our podcast from average to slightly above average. So here we go. <laughs> it's good to be back, chaps. It's good to be back. From non existent to slightly existent. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, and, we, and we were very nearly non-existent tonight with these technical issues, but we are up and running. We've mentioned the network a couple of times, and as Josh has said, we'll be happily bringing you some new voices to the NFL podcast to help. Um, you know, let's let's get the experts of their teams on to help us delve into them, and that's, certainly that's what we'll be doing over the course of the next few episodes as we start our previews of all of the divisions. We're starting tonight over in the AFC East, and I'm delighted to be joined or we're just delighted to be joined, I should say, by Carl from Patriots Touchback, who is going to be part of the network, part of the channel. Carl, how you doing, my friend? Good evening, gentlemen. Yeah, I'm very, very good, thank you. Um, training camp's up and running. Very, very excited for Mac Jones for his second year, and as well as our newcomers as well. Hopefully, hopefully we can have a, a, better, a better season like we had last year. Yeah, strange for New England not to be uh, dominating, but uh, it's a transition we're all slowly getting used to. But yeah, we're going to get into the whole division and see whether we think the Patriots will 
reclaim their AFC East divisional crown, which was theirs pretty much for a decade up until recently, or whether any of the teams um, can spring a surprise. But we'll do them in the order that they finished last year. Um, so, Steve, I'm going to turn to yourself first and foremost to give us a bit of a dive into the off-season of the Buffalo Bills. It feels almost poetic, doesn't it, that we start with the Bills, the, uh, the Bills who are slowly becoming the, the NFL's perennial Neely team, the, the almost team. Um, it feels crazy that the Bills have not even have not made it to an AFC Championship game yet with Josh Allen in the centre. Um, and in, in in researching for for this pod uh, this week, I found myself watching the um, the game against the Chiefs in the playoffs last season. Um, and what a game it was, by the way. Um, I was going to say, did and, you need an excuse? Yeah, exactly. And that, that crazy um, uh, last two minutes of the game where, you know, the, the quarterbacks pretty much, everyone else might have just stopped playing. They might as well just been the quarterback versus quarterback. Um, and the Bills are, uh, are this team that uh, you put them in about any other half decade of NFL history. And they probably have, have won a couple of Super Bowls by now. But they somehow happen to have come around when you've got, Kansas City and and now Cincinnati and and a whole host of other um, AFC teams that are, are vying for that championship before they even get to the Super Bowl and are, and are, and are, are perfectly capable of doing it. Um, so the Bills go again uh, with with Josh Allen trying to trying to get one step further than they did last time. The big loss that they've got uh, that obviously everyone will will be aware of is that is in the uh, in the coaching staff with Brian Dable off to uh, off to New York. Well, he's already in New York, but he's off to the off to the the Giants in uh, in New York City. So um, that would be interesting to see if that affects their offense. Um, they were third in the league in points scored last season. Um, so how much did Dable have to do with that? How much of that was uh, was McDermott? So that'll be interesting to see if if that carries through and if they continue to to dominate. Um, I'm sure Carl won't mind me saying that the Bills really have dominated the FC East over the last couple of years. Um, uh, with I saw a stat earlier that in their last two games against the Patriots, who were their closest rivals last season, they didn't punt the ball once. They didn't punt once, not once. Nope. So that is that is the, the, the tier of team that the Bills are. Um, uh, and, and keeping on the offense for for a second, um, they've had a bit of turnaround as well. Like you know, the, some of the um, movement that they've had on the uh, on the depth chart. You know, there's a couple of a couple of players gone and a couple of players have come in. So you look at uh, you look at wide receiver to start with. Um, you know, straight away, um, Emmanuel Sanders has gone. Uh, uh, Cole Beasley's gone. Raise a glass for Cole Beasley. Um, uh, uh, but they've brought in a couple, a couple of extra, um, and they look towards Gabriel Davis moving forward. We all remember the game that he had in that that game I was just talking about with his four or five touchdowns. It was, um, and I think one of the biggest additions they made in the off season. I think that a lot of pressure is going to be on his shoulders. And we've talked about this on the pod before about the one thing that's missing from that Bills offense, and that is the running game, and how it seemed like Devin Singletree was never quite you know, able to be that bell cow back, not able to to carry the team on his shoulders when they needed him to. And so they've they've addressed it. Second round picked up James Cook out of Georgia, who had over eleven yards per carry average throughout his college career. So there's your back. There's the guy that they think that they can they can plug in and 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 solve that running game. So 
the Bills will be looking to make that extra push. But what well, I haven't even mentioned their defense yet. Their defense was first in points allowed last season, with only two hundred eighty nine across the season. They were the top of the league. So, and I've not even mentioned them yet. So their defense is dominant. Obviously, Tredavious White is coming off an ACL tear. Don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. But they added Kier Elam, the cornerback, into an already really good cornerback room. So they just need anything to try and stop Patrick Mahomes, really, isn't it? Um, that's what they're trying to do in in Buffalo. Um, so, yeah, a bit of change in Buffalo, but the, the key components stay the same. I'll be interested to see how they cope without Dable now that he's out the door um, and whether or not that Josh Allen carries on. I think they've got to start better this year than they did last year as well. They got off to a, a pretty rocky start last year. And if they can start better, then, you know, the, they really need to be looking to lock down that number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, you mentioned um, picking up the running back in the second round of the draft. Any other highlights from the draft in terms of the the rookies that potentially might make an impact or one that potentially is a bit of a sleeper from lower down that they uh, picked up? Um, I mean, I think Elam, there's so much there's so much of the um so much of the focus is going to be on their their first and second rounders because they come into positions that are straight away um a big need. You know, they're they're Elam, if Jarevis White doesn't get back in time, then they've got a cornerback ready there, plug and play. So he's a first rounder, so everyone knows who he is. But I, I mean, there's going to be so much focus on on Cook to to carry that ball. Um, Singletary is as, as much as I don't think he's that bad a back. He just it obviously hasn't worked for him, and I think the all line's got a bit to do with that as well. And I think if if you had to pick a weakness on that Buffalo team, it's probably their offensive line. It's not, and I'm not saying it's it's awful, but if you had to pick holes in, in, a, in, a, in a team that's going to make the playoffs every year for the next five years, it probably is that. Um, so I think that they need to uh, to be making sure that they can run the ball with a new back in place and make sure that they can open up avenues for him because if they give him the same treatment that they perhaps have with Singletary in two years' time, are they going to be, again, looking for another running back, wondering, well, actually, maybe it's not the running back's issue. Maybe it's maybe it's the running game's issue, and actually we need to focus more on that rather than the back himself. Okay, and give us one then, mate, that's already on the roster uh, or one of the free agents that they've picked up that you think potentially is the star of the show will want to watch, maybe one that... Um needs to sort of, you know, whoop his game after a bit of a disappointing year last year? Um, I think in terms of um, someone that I'd be looking to to sort of have a better season and certainly a bit of pressure on, um, I think there was a lot of, uh, a lot went through Stefan Diggs last year in terms of wide the wide receiver room. And obviously Sanders is gone, Cause Beasley's gone. Um, Asaya McKenzie, um, I think, he signed. Uh, uh, he re-signed with them, and I think they need to take some of the pressure off Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, they'll be looking at Gabriel Davis to 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 keep going, and if he can continue on his form from where he left off at the end of last season, then he'll certainly be a good addition to that room. But I, I would say Asai McKenzie needs to needs to improve um, and, and needs to look to contribute. Um, I mean, the passing game in Buffalo is already top notch, um, and if they if they can get a little bit more production on defense against some of these passing teams like Kansas City, like Cincinnati, um, you know, then they they're probably going to get more um, production. But goes without saying, I guess. Um, but I think if they can if they can get the ball uh, get the ball out in the end zone quicker, if that's even possible, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to avoid going to the running back again because I think there's pressure in the running back wherever you look in Buffalo. Um, I think that always seems to be the case. And I think also as well, you know, not to put too much pressure on, but, you know, Brian Dable's gone. The new um, offensive coordinator 
for the, this season is going to be Ken Dorsey. So he's got to hit the ground running. Um, and it'd be interesting to see if he can fill the shoes of, of Dable as well. So a lot of questions around the offence. You'd expect them to continue on, but there's still questions around there. And, and teams have proven that sometimes, you know, the slightest chink in the armour can, can unravel a season. Certainly. Yeah, most definitely. Let's, uh, let's pass it round the room then. Carl, I'm going to come to you first as our resident man in the AFC East. What's your view of Buffalo's off-season as a whole if you were going to give it a grade? I would probably give their grade a solid B. They've added another tight end to go along with Dawson Knox, and that was OJ Howard. I believe he has something to prove because he's got the talent, he's got the ability, but we just haven't seen... He, he had one good season with the Buccaneers. And since then, he's well, he's fallen off the map, frankly. So maybe this could revitalize his career a little bit more. Yeah, I look at Buffalo with their running with their running attack now. If James Cook is anything like his brother Dalvin, then the AFC East is in massive trouble. Um, regarding of that, and for the Bills, it is simple: Super Bowl or bust. They've got that. They've got a top five offense. They've got a top five defense. They've got Josh Allen, who's just a who's just a, a running cheat code at this moment in time. If they can't get to the Super Bowl, get to Super Bowl this year, questions will be asked. We've given you everything you needed, and you you still can't get over the hump. I, per, like, I per, go on. Sorry, I was gonna say it feels like one of these times they've got to beat Kansas City. It feels like they have to at some point. It's like the old enemy. At some point, they've got to beat them. Well, they will. They play it. They'll beat them in the regular season. Well, not, not when it not when it matters though. If if they can't beat them when it matters, you know. Yeah, something which I think is quite important um, that you said earlier on, Steve, is the need for them to be quick in terms of, you know, getting out the blocks early in the season. You look at the Bills starting three, four games. You've got the Rams away. You've got the Titans at home. Dolphins away. Ravens away. That's your first four games in the season. Now, I look at that, and I think that that is a slate that the Chiefs kind of had last year, and the Chiefs got off to a slow start. I, I'm unsure that the Bills have the mental fortitude to do what Kansas did last year and completely turn it on its head if they were to have a bad start. So, you know, the Rams one's kind of a coin toss, but you've got to get the other three. You know, you've got to beat the Titans. You've got to beat the Dolphins. You've got to beat the Ravens. You know, at least go in three and one in order to continue going, in order to have the momentum to build into the season. Yeah, three big games, those aren't there? Those ones that you mentioned there, because they're all either divisional or conference matchups and potentially teams that you would imagine are going to be in and around the playoffs also. When, as I mentioned, that word playoffs, Carl, you've said it's Super Bowl or bust. If we're going to give a prediction for the season, lads, Carl, we'll start with you. What's your prediction? If you have got the make in the playoffs, how far do you reckon they will go? As long as they don't run into Kansas City, I think they can go to the Super Bowl. But I think at some point down the line, they will run into them. Because Kansas City right now, they may say they're head and shoulders above the AFC West, but the AFC West has just become an absolute bloodbath. Every single team in that division has tooled up and they are ready to go at the Chiefs this year. So basically, it, it, you know, I, I think I think the Bills are going to run into the Chiefs again at some point. Don't know when, but I just think that they will. 
Steve? I mean, we haven't even uh, we haven't even had a chance to mention the fact that they signed Von Miller as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Which is, you know, and, and, you know, Von Miller might not be the player that he was a couple of years ago, but he's just won a Super Bowl and he's a, certainly a leader on that defence. So, mm. um, you know, I think if you look at the off-season moves, and I don't want to turn this into a Buffalo versus Kansas City debate, but I think you look at Kansas City have lost um, uh, Tyreek Hill, He's gone, and he was he was Patrick Mahomes' cheat code for a lot of a lot of time. You know the old adage of uh, what what did he say? Oh, I'll just throw it down there. Tyreek could be down there somewhere. Um, mm. You know, whereas Buffalo, yes, they've lost a couple of receivers, but they've retooled as well. And I think you, I think you you have to be if if you're Buffalo, you have to go into the season thinking we are the best team in the NFL because I think they can put themselves up there definitely. Um, and I think they've definitely got a chance of they have to go to the championship game to start with because it's criminal they haven't done that. But I, I agree with Carl. It's it, for the, They're one of the few teams in the NFL this season where it's Super Bowl or bust because they can't go another season without even getting to the ball game. Like the Bills are a good, good team. They should be there. It would be criminal if Josh Allen doesn't doesn't get there at least once in his career. Um, so I, I just worry that the Bills might go down as one of these teams that, that never get there, that never do it. Mm-hmm. Josh, finish us off, mate. It's ridiculous. This is the first team of which, you know, by complete chance, this is the first team of which we're previewing, and I'm already saying that this is the team that's going to win the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, of all 32 teams, we start off with this one, and like it's, like everyone said, Super Bowl or bust, and you can say it, but, you know, even when you dig deeper, the one issue of which they've got is a running game, but they've got the passing game to, you know, to take that away and also they were working on it towards the back end of the season it did seem to work so you've got to imagine with off-season work with with putting the tools together to actually have a running game this year that that will also improve they've also you know they've told up von miller especially was the complete signal of intent that you know this is the year it's going to happen otherwise you can forget it i look at the afc west and i think that they're tooling up for mutually assured destruction. You know, will any of those t- any of those four teams actually be able to have the stamina to actually get through January, considering as to just how much they'll have kicked the shit out of each other by that point? Because you know, to be to, to have those high intensity games constantly does wear on you. It, wear, it wore on the Chiefs last year. Um, you know, it's worn on others in the past as well. And the AFC West now just seems to be constant gladiator fights. So there is that to take into consideration. And then AFC versus NFC, I'm always going to give it to the AFC until, you know, I know that the Bucks and the Rams have won the last two. But for some, it might be biased, but, you know, you you give me the Bills against the Rams or the Bucks this season, and I'll say the Bills every time. One thing I'd just like to add to that, okay, obviously that thing we missed was Von Miller obviously going to the Bills as well. I actually don't think Von Miller is actually going to cause any problems. All right, I'll, and I'll explain why, okay. He got he left Denver, went to the LA Rams. Why was he so significantly better when he was at the Rams? Was because because Aaron Donald was getting so much attention. He had two free guys on him at once, and even then that wasn't enough. That gave Von Miller a one-on-one opportunity to swing round the the weakest the weakest guard or the weakest tackle and sack the and sack the QB. Now he's their main part of the linebacking core for Buffalo now, and everyone's now going to have their eyes on him. They're not going to have their eyes on Matt Milano. They're not going to have their eyes on Carlos Basham. So 
you're going to see a little downgrade. And also, they paid a stupid amount of money for a guy that's close to near his mid-30s now. That's a lot of money to invest in, in in a guy that's maybe on the downward swing of his career. Yeah, it's interesting to note. The, the finger which I would fire back with that, though, is that, you, you know, he is still, you know, he, his name has a rep for a reason. You get, You still have... You know, a quality guy in that position. You know, whether or not, you know, whether or not he is the the prime the prime meridian, or you've got somebody else to take the flak. The fact that you've got him there over the next available player that they had means that they have improved at that position. And when you consider that the team's crazy strong anyway, you know, it, yeah, it might not be a massive plus that the media is saying, but it's definitely not a negative. The no. cap aside, but. You know, they they can take that by the looks of it. I think as well, what this Buffalo team needs is characters like Von Miller. Like Von Miller's won two Super Bowls. Buffalo hasn't won any, and and so far in in the grand scheme, have not really come close either. Um, so I, I but I don't think it's Buffalo's personnel. Like their coaching's good, their personnel's good. They've got the quarterback, they've got the players around them, they've got the defense. They can do it. They can get there, but they need the the leaders in the locker room to do that. And I think as much as I absolutely agree that weird six year backloaded void year contracts whatever it was it was a weird weird contract and they're all becoming all the rage nowadays but I think he will improve that locker room presence and I think that's what mm. they need and if it gets them to just like LA LA was a six month rental they gave up a stupid amount of draft capital for him for six months but he won them he helped win them a Super Bowl so the LA Rams don't believe in draft capital exactly exactly Les Snead doesn't care about your draft capital it's just words on a Madden screen to them exactly so. But they did win the Super Bowl. Fellas. But they did win the Super Bowl. They did win the Super Bowl. We'll leave that God there. Right. You, so general consensus is the Bills are going to be pretty strong. I think, you know, it's a sort of Super Bowl or bust. Potentially Kansas City, the only ones on the AFC that can stop them is the general consensus from you guys. But it turns out who's going to try and stop them in the regular season. Let's move around the division. Carl, let's turn to yourself and your New England Patriots finished second in the division last year, a bit of a bounce-back season. You mentioned right at the outset you were looking forward to the second season of Mac Jones, um, who had a pretty decent rookie campaign, it's got to be said. So talk us through the off-season from a New England perspective, my friend. Well, we're still licking our wounds from the wild-card game against the Bills. That was just an absolute um, atrocity. It really, really was. The fact that our linebackers that were in Zimmer frames couldn't get to Josh Allen at all was absolutely embarrassing. Um, nothing a lot more Mac could do in that game at all. He tried his hardest, but when you when it's just not going with you, it's just not. This offseason, though, um, there's been some development. Obviously, Josh McDaniels, our offensive coordinator, has is now the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um yeah, a little bit upset that he has gone, although I am not going to miss his third and long using a bloody screenplay. D- that just wound me up every given time. Every time I saw that, third and nine, it's a screen. Oh, great, four, three and out. Well done. Um, I what happens when it turns out it's Bill Belichick that's calling that? <laughs> then I will... <laughs> in Bill, I... in... <laughs> well done. In Bill, I trust, okay? Um but regarding them now, it's a bit of a um, challenge between Matt Patricia and the former the former coach from the, for the New York Giants now. 
Patricia is going to take all of the play caller duties. What we've seen so far in training camp, he's been taking most of the play calls. It looks like it's it's gelling. Looks like it's working. Uh, but this is only but this is only training camp. We've only got shells on. We don't have the pads on until Monday, I believe. So we won't find out to any physical contact before anything goes haywire. Joe Judge, thank you, Steve. Um, but Mac Jones has improved his his stature basically in the off season. So he's basically lost a bit. He lost a bit of weight. He's also put on a lot of lean muscle as well as to try and fling the ball down the field a lot longer than what he's used to rather than throwing five, 10 yard, 15 yard ducks all the time. So hopefully we can stretch the field a little bit more. Um, our draft, let's just say was very underwhelming to say the least. Our first round pick was a guy called Cole strange. Yep. Stranger things have happened. So that was just not, um, that was quite a surprise, but we did trade down for it. Um, I was going to say, it wasn't I, a surprise the Patriots picking at that position. That's a pretty standard place for the Patriots to pick at. And you it usually is a pretty, pick some yeah, rando. Yeah, usually around there. Anyway, thank God it was another receiver. Um, but yeah. Uh, but talking of receiver, did get a um, from Baylor, Taekwon Thornton in the second round. Uh, ran the, apparently he ran the fastest 40-yard dash out of any of the receivers. So basically he's got lightning speed. Problem I have with this is he's either going to be really good with his route running, or we're going to have another, or we're going to have a John Ross on our hands. Someone can only run a nine, and that's it. So, oh, Sean, doesn't that remind you of Anthony Schwartz? Eh? <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, don't worry. Matt Jones will end up injured in week three, and then try and play with a broken shoulder. We've seen that card before. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but then we went and got. We think we've got like five or six Joneses on our side now, which is really, really. It's going to be really confusing for commentary when NFL season does start. <laughs> intercepted by Jones. Which one? <laughs> so, um, so Marcus Jones we picked up in round three. Uh, Jack Jones we also picked up in round four, who was apparently um, draft analyst term as say he is the best one-on-one coverage corner in the draft. So we'll see how that pans out. Um, we picked up another running back as well in Pierre Strong, which is strange for us to pick another running back up, considering we got Damien Harris and Andre Stevenson. But I think James White's time with us is coming to a bit of an end. He is not, he's still on the PUP list um, after his injury. And we don't, I don't think he's going to be ready for the first five, six weeks of the season. Ooh. I think this is why, I think this is the first, re- this is the reason why we ended up drafting Pierre Strong who also ran the fastest 40-yard dash time for running backs. So, yeah, you got to hit no. those guardrails. <laughs> Is Belichick be, just yeah. building a track team? <laughs> hey, oh, how did Can- oh, how- oh, how did Kansas City win the Super Bowl? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> point, point okay. returned. I'm going to um, miss James White. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I love Sweet. I love Sweet. Solid I love fantasy Sweet player, he James was, White. Mm, very, very, un- very, very underrated. Helped us so much in Super Bowl 51. But anyway, um, and probably our other one in round four we picked up was a, was a quarterback, Bailey Zappe, our West Kentucky. Um, this was just basically the replacement to Jared Stidham. Not really, not, not really a lot to write home about. We knew he threw, what was it, 60-odd touchdowns for Western Kentucky. But let's be real, it's like it's the FCS. It's not exactly... It's not exactly a tough, tough division, is it? So, 
in Zappe we yeah. trust? Uh, <laughs> Come on, a name like Zappe, if that's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback in like 10 years' time, what's the point? Yeah. Um, obviously, we've had a free agency. Losing JC Jackson was absolutely massive for us. We actually um, offered the same contract to what the Chargers did. But the Chargers gave JC Jackson more guaranteed money. And that was the deal breaker for us right there. So, yeah, we lose JC Jackson. So now we've got Malcolm Butler coming in for a swan song. We've got we've got the two Jones rookies that we've got. Um, Jalen Mills as well. He's going to be on a bit. He's going to end up being our CB1. So the secondary does worry me. But on the corner standpoint, but regarding of our safety positions, it's what it's probably our strongest that we got. Because you're looking at the likes of Kyle Duggo, look at the likes of Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, uh, sixth round pick in training camp this year, um, Josh Bledsoe, who got redshirted last year. He's really put up, he's put, he's really making some noise in getting into the 53, 53 man roster, beg your pardon. Um, so... Tell me what, Carl. Tell you what. Because I have to admit, I have no idea here. Do you think that the Pats are better this year than what they were last year on paper? When all said and done, it sounds like quite a lot's gone on. But it doesn't sound like a lot big has gone on. Yeah. Offensively, I say yes. Defensively, I say no. You lose JC Jackson, you lose the best shutdown, one of the best shutdown corners in the game. Um, Our linebacking core is going to be brand new. It's going to be very young. So we're going to have plenty of speed, but we're not going to have a lot of... um, veteran experience because Kyle Van Noy's gone, Dante Hightower, we're not going to re-sign, Jamie Collins, I think he's still out in the wilderness, I believe. So it's a complete overhaul of the defensive side of the ball. Um, but regarding of the offense, I'll start with the bad news before I move into the favorite good news, which I'm so delighted with. Cole Strange going to left guard um, Basically indicated Bill Belichick wanted to make sure that he is going to be safe and he's going to have so much leadership going to that side. So he switched Trent Brown from right tackle to left tackle and put Isaiah Wynn on right tackle. Now that does hurt his trade value because he is he is in a contract year. I think it's ten and a half million. I think we've got to pay him if he stays if he stays on this year um, for his for his for his, for his, for his um, fifth year option. So now you look at that O line. It has been switched around a little bit. But when you put a rookie alongside two veterans in Trent Brown at left tackle and David Andrews, who's one of the best centers in the game at center, he's going to feel very comfortable there because he knows Trent Brown is not going to let Mac Jones fall, fall on his backside. He's not going to allow it to happen. Um, one free agent acquisition I was very happy with to pick up, even though he does come with, a, with an asterisk because of his injury history, and that is Devontae Parker. Um Luckily, Devontae Parker's injuries that he's had in Miami are all soft tissue injuries. So we're talking quad, so we're taking thigh injuries, we're taking hamstrings, we're taking calves. He hasn't torn an ACL. He hasn't done. He hasn't done his ankles in in any way, shape, or form. And for what I've seen so far in training camp, him and Mac Jones have just meshed together like glue straight off the bat. I think it was. I think he's had about six or seven touchdowns in the in the last three days worth of training camp on eleven on elevens and seven on sevens. He's just been that good. So that's what I see in this offseason and how we progress so far. Does it worry me our defense is gonna be a little bit is gonna be a little bit worse this year? It does a little bit. 
but this offense should be better. Mac Jones going into his second year. I mean, I I already made a prediction already um, on another show, and that was Mac Jones to throw up for thirty touchdowns and throw less than eleven interceptions, around about four over four thousand yards passing as well. Uh, he has to make that second year leap because this div- this division has just become from just Buffalo Bills and two and two tin cans. Now Dolphins have improved, and the Jets surprisingly they've also improved which is very very rare of them so you know they have to you know they have you know we have to step it up this year i think when you look at sorry sean i think when you look at the patriots the one thing that i would instantly point out that i I, i've i mean obviously belichick always finds a way but with the patriots i just don't know who's going to catch the ball like i like the pickup of parker you're right to point out his injury history that's a little bit concerning but I just don't know who's going to catch the ball. Like that's, I think that was the problem last year with you. You threw Mac Jones in, in the deep end, and I don't think he was ready for the NFL. I've, I think we've all seen that photo of him now, where he's bulked up. He looks, he looks really, really sort of, um, like he's put a lot of weight on in in a good way. Not like that the video of him storming down the the um, draft hall, ready to ready to go, <laughs> uh, hold his jersey. Um, so I think he's trending in the right direction, and I agree with you. I think he is down for a better year. Um, but I think that I just don't know who's I don't know who's gonna, they're going to catch the ball, and I, I, I worry about the, Kendrick, the New England you got, offense. You got Kendrick Bourne, you got Hunter Henry, Jono Smith, um, Jacoby Myers. Apparently, has got quicker with his route running as well, so that will help uh, help get separation as well as um, there are guys to throw to. But everyone says the same same thing. This wide receiving group is very underwhelming. Well, when top when we had Tom Brady. His receiving group was also underwhelming as well. Apart from Rob Gronkowski, he was just a freak of nature. He, all he really had was Julian Edelman. He just made average receivers, bang average receivers, and actually made them into more than what they actually are. And this is, I mean, you look at this receiving court, there are house, Devontae Parker, Hunter Henry, Jono Smith, they're household names. I mean, Kendrick Bourne's not a household name when he was in San Francisco. But to us, in his first year, he really did make some noise. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think he, so much is on on Mac Jones's shoulders, isn't it? In terms of can he make that leap, as you say, Tom Brady made a career out of elevating those around him. That's why he'll obviously go down as one of the best, if not the best, to, to ever do it. Um, I think, in terms of the Patriots, obviously they finished second last year. Josh, Steve, really comprehensive from from Carl there in terms of of breaking it down for us. A real uh, positive there for the network straight away, fellas. Paying off dividends straight away. Well, we could have never have given a Patriots in-depth review such as as that was, but uh, we'll do a very quick snapshot, fellas. What do we reckon, Patriots boys? We where do we where have we got them sort of pegged to finish? Steve, let's start with you. You're on mute, Steve. Early early season, early season technical issues getting all of us tonight. Go again, my friend. Try again. Um, there we go. I agree with. Carl's uh, concerns about the defense. I agree that losing JC Jackson is a massive, massive loss, um, and I wonder about how that's going to play out. You know, if 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 um, if Mac Jones is better and he's having a better season, and they do get the offense moving, that you know you can't you can't do much with that if you're back on the field every six minutes. 
because mm. the the defense can't stop anyone. Um, I think this. You are right. This division is improving. Um, I don't think it's. You know, we're not talking any AFC West here anytime soon, but it is improving. The Patriots will not beat the Bills. It's that simple. And it's just whether or not they can squeeze in that wild card. With now there being seven spots instead of six in each in each one. Um, but the AFC is such a beast. You know, but I think there's teams around the AFC where, that are actually in decline. You know, there's there's a few teams out there that I think probably won't be as good as they were last season. So the Patriots need to be on the other side of that coin. And I could see them sneaking into that seventh spot, but that's probably about as far as I put them this year. I think they're still in a bit of a sort of remold, rebuild phase. And, and Belichick still hasn't named any offensive or defensive coordinators. Maybe he's just going to do it himself for the rest of time. <laughs> Josh, if you've got to finish him, buddy. Yeah, so first of all, I have nobody being an OC or a DC. Um, I think that that's just... Uh, we'll, we'll set out that store first, um, just because I think that this might be Bill Swansong just saying, I can do it all on my own, you know, and I can do it well, and now I'm gone. Uh, but no, in, in all reality, um, Steve, I think you've hit it on the, on the head there in that, especially with the way the AFC East is looking and the fact that the Pats have kind of middled out from their offseason. They haven't exactly improved. They haven't not improved either. So, you, you know, they're, they're probably looking at about the same performance-wise, perhaps, um, when you're looking across a season. The Bills are probably slightly improved, so you can imagine the Bills taking the division and they would have to go into the wild card. AFC East play AFC North this year. I think that it's going to come down to... Whoever wins those matchups will get the seven. You know, one of the one of them will. Um, I think that the AFC North probably gets two spots automatically. I think that they obviously they get their division one. I think that they get five. But in terms of who gets seven, because I think six will go to the West. Um, whoever gets seven, I think, will come down to you know Patriots versus, say, either the Browns or the Bengals. Um, I think it will come down to probably that one game. It will be that tight. And, Cole, as the resident fan, obviously, like you said, still sort of smarting from last year's trip to the World Cup, which obviously didn't end very well what would you sort of take as a successful season would getting back to that stage sort of for you cement the fact that the team's moving in the right direction or do you expect them to to kick on from last season well i'm not saying we're going to go to the super bowl because that'll be very delusional of me um i'm glad i say that's good (laughs) (laughs) i um no i expect us to go back to the playoffs this year i actually after going through our fixture list, I think our floor is around about eight to nine wins. Our ceiling's probably around about 12 wins. That's if mm. the chips all fall in our favor at the right times. Yeah, you're fair. right. I don't, I think we're going to get swept by Buffalo because I just think they're too good right now. I mean, unless we find a way of stopping Josh, unless this linebacking, our new linebacking core stops Josh Allen, that ain't going to happen. So, and you are right. I think the wild cards are going to be very tight, tightly contested. The AFC West, you're looking at, you're looking at the Raiders, you're looking at the Chargers, you're looking at Denver. They're going to be in the, they're going to be, in, all three of them could get wild cards because they'll just battle out between each other. Um, and the AFC North is still very competitive as well. Obviously, the Steelers are now in their, 
retooling phrase now. They have Mitchell Trubisky, but you know, uh, they'll still uh, win nine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not listening to it. They could. They could put a literal ghost in at QB. They'll still win nine. This is Mike Tomlin we're talking about. The Steelers will win nine. Yeah, he'll, he'll put himself will... in. He'll shut yeah. up himself if it means getting nine wins. Yeah, yeah, the Steelers will win nine games. They they, they always they always pull off this. Yeah, um, this mon- this nonsense anyway. Mason Rudolph um, will win nine games. It, it the, will the biggest queer the biggest query I have though is Cleveland because obviously with the Sean Watson situation, we don't know if he's going to be suspended. We're not yet. touching we, that. Not touching that until so, the decision comes out. That, Far yeah, too contentious. That's a, you're, that's you're, you're, pressing a, you're pressing a button here, Carl. You're pressing a button with these two. <laughs> so there's that, and then you got Baltimore as well. Lamar Jackson still hasn't been paid yet. And nor should he, but continue. Yeah, that's true. And they've got no receivers. They let yeah. go of Mar- they get they get they let go of Marquise Brown. But yet they'll so, still win eleven games. And Lamar Jackson they, will still be in the MVP com- conversation. But yeah, but they are just such a one dimensional team. Tell me about the Ravens it. Ravens are such a one dimensional team. Um these two so, don't want to know, actually. I, I say, say this, this annually it... I get it in the flipping in the backside from them. Yeah. Um, look, I still have Cincinnati retaining the division. I just think if you if we obviously this is not an AFC, this is not an AFC um, North preview or anything, but they have retooled up their offensive line, which was the biggest pain in the backside for them last season. They've actually retooled. They've actually now done the whole lot. They ain't going anywhere anytime soon. So I reckon if the Patriots beat the Ravens and the Browns. That's, a, that's our wild card. Well, yeah, if you win two of the AFC North games, you know, just, well, three of them, if you include Pittsburgh, if you win those three, you've got a wild card. You know, mm. definitely not saying, but I actually think you'll get it from the Bengals, not the Ravens. I am going to put a pin in this conversation, fellas. We will get to the AFC North as part of our divisional previews. We are waiting for a certain decision, as Cole's referred to, to hopefully find a resolution before we preview it as it obviously is going to have monumental impacts on that division so we will get to it um but carl thanks for your input there like i said looking forward to everything that you produced as part of patriots touchback as part of the network look forward to listening to you the fellas and all the written stuff that will be coming throughout the course of the season let's continue on though fellas and let's whiz through the other two teams in the division who are both as um, Cole said, looking to make improvements and potentially have made improvements. I'll run you through the Miami Dolphins who've made some interesting moves, it has to be said, throughout the course of the off-season. Started way back when we were still recording, fellas, with them actually getting rid of Brian Flores after uh, another winning season. Obviously, a pretty disastrous start to last year, but then went on a superb winning run, but wasn't enough to ultimately save his job we will see about the ramifications of all that as that's obviously gone into very dark and deep waters so we'll see where that progresses but mike mcdaniel finally gets an opportunity after being a shanahan disciple for years um he will be the man in charge um so plenty of optimism that he will have a positive impact on the offense in miami and that's where a lot of the focus has been throughout the course of the off-season. Taron Armstead coming in to shore up one of the tackle positions. It's already been alluded to throughout the course of this discussion that Tyreek Hill will now reside in South Florida. Um, not too bad in terms of the compensation, I wouldn't have said either, in terms of what was given up for, you know, arguably one of the top five receivers in the game. Certainly probably the top one in terms of the quickest, at least. 
um, giving up a one, two, and four this year, which made me reviewing the Dolphins draft very easy, fellas. We'll get on today in a minute, but I didn't have an awful <laughs> lot of work to do there. Basically, <laughs> basically Tyreek Hill was their draft. Um, but yeah, Tyreek Hill added, as was Cedric Wilson, to compensate for the loss of Devontae Parker, as Carl's just alluded to, off to divisional rivals New England. Um, retooled in the running back spot. I think they're just looking to do this by committee or try and find lightning in a bottle with these three names, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michel. All three of them individually have had moments of excellence. Some of them, you know, Mostert in particular, has had stretches where if he can stay injury-free, has put really good back-to-back outings together and, and seemed to be a real weapon. But he's always been dodged by the, um, the injury curse, hasn't he? But he's always run well in that Shanahan scheme. So we'll see if he's the one that ultimately gets a lot of the work. But certainly Chase Edmonds, a lot of people felt that he was the best back in the Cardinals' offence last year but didn't get enough opportunities. So we'll see what happens. I think in terms of some of the more positive stuff, let alone people that they've actually brought in, it's been some of the people retained. Xavier Howard looked like he was out of the door many a time last year, but he re-signed throughout the course of the off-season, one of the better corners in the league. Mike Gazicki, who I think has started to really come on and actually start to fulfil some of the potential that he's shown, re-signed as well. And also Emmanuel Ogba, who probably a little bit under the radar, um, has quietly become a really effective defensive end within the league as well. Um, so I think Miami will be really pleased with the players that they've been able to retain. In terms of the draft, like I say, I sort of said it in jest there, but really difficult to actually give you a really in-depth review of this because I think even by the Dolphins' own admission, most of these guys will be third, fourth string, potentially practice squad players if they can. But the one that they potentially have got a bit of a rotational piece in is the linebacker Channing Tindall that they picked up in the third round um, from Georgia and played behind two decent linebackers in Quay Walker, who obviously went in the first round to Green Bay. And Nicobe Dean, who uh, went to your Philadelphia Eagles, Steve, obviously in the third round. So I think they actually think in terms of Channing Tindall that on a different college team where he hadn't necessarily got that calibre of player in front of him, he may well have actually had a bit more of a chance to shine. So he potentially could well come in and be a bit of a rotational piece um, in his rookie season. But I wouldn't be expecting a huge contribution from elsewhere um, from the guys that they picked up in the draft. And I'm going to break our own rule here, fellas. We said before these previews started, we wouldn't talk about the quarterback as the position to sort of really pay interest in. I was going to say the same. It has to be, doesn't it? It, it has, has to be. be when it comes to Miami, doesn't it? I we'll mean, we'll give you the out there, mate. Don't worry. Thank you. We're what, two years, three years removed for Tank for Tua? And here we are. We're already at make or break time, aren't we, for Tua? Um, I think it's really telling that Teddy Bridgewater has been brought in as, let's face yeah. it, a very, very serviceable backup quarterback. I think, you know, Jacoby Brissett, and I hate to say this, obviously, as a Browns fan, but let's face it, Jacoby Brissett was not a good uh, backup foil last year. Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a huge upgrade in terms of if he is coming in as a backup, and he's obviously proven throughout the course of his career that he can come in and he can win games. So this is very much make or break for Tua. Um, there was obviously that clip that went viral, wasn't there, right in the spring about his, uh, his lovely spiralled ball down the field to uh, Tyreek Hill, which uh, barely reached him, let's face it. And um, yeah, quite a lot was made of that, but it is a huge season for him. I'm going to pass it round the houses to you boys to, to give your commentary on them, because I think they are a team that are certainly trending in the right direction. It's like I say, it's difficult to actually imagine the fact that they've actually come off the back of a couple of winning seasons and they've changed head coach 
Um, but that is where we are. So, uh, Steve, let's kick it over to yourself first, mate. Like I said, the Dolphins, what do you think of their off-season? It's crazy to think that the Dolphins started 1-7 and seven last season and yet still pulled it back and won like seven in a row or something stupid like that. Like there was such a hot and cold team and you are right. The pressure is all on tour and I know it's a broken record and I'm sure the Dolphins fans, we've got a few of them in the group, but we're sick of us saying this, but it is, the pressure is on tour. You're right, Sean, like tank for tour, you know, it felt like a, only, only yesterday. And now here we are two years out. Um, Everything is is now ready for him. They've got a, a, an offensive minded head head coach. Um, they've they've stacked the roster. Tyreek Hill, Cedric Wilson, Mike Gesicki, who are really rare. I think he's a great tight end. Um, you know they've even built up the line. Teron Armstead. You know I think most people thought he might stay in New Orleans, but he's ended up in in uh, Miami. Um, and you know like you said, the running back by committee. Everything is in place now. Everything is in place for Tua to be that guy. And I think Miami have quietly gone about their business this offseason. I, 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 thought, I thought about it when we were coming into this pod, like, oh, Miami just a bit, you know, bit, bit, bit sort of mediocre. You know, everyone knows Tua is the quarterback, so they're never really going to go that far. But actually, this roster is good. It's really good. And actually, um, I think Mike McDaniel's under a bit of pressure to, to hit the ground running and to, to be a good sort of rookie head coach. I think he's got the tools to be potentially the rookie head coach of the year if he can get everything right. But it just all depends on Tua, doesn't it? Like, and I'd be interested to know, you guys, what your thoughts are. The uh, Miami Dolphins have a bye in week 11, I believe, this season. Do you think Tua is still the starter in week 12? Ooh, what a question. What a question. <laughs> Carl, I'm, Carl, I'm going to kick it to you. You can answer that question. And obviously, you know, we've, we've talked already, and I think we've alluded to it as we've gone through this. And it's obviously easy to do this based on how the, the teams finished up last year, but it would seem as though certainly the battle for second in the division is probably between Patriots and Dolphins. So what's your overall assessment of them? And, and to answer Steve's question there, will Tua actually suit up post bye week? I think Tua will play the entire season, regardless regardless if the Dolphins are winning or losing. I think they, they're riding with Tua now for this entire season. You know, it is make or break for him. They've given him absolute all the toys in the world to use. They've given him Tyreek Hill. They've added a stud left tackle in, in um, Armstead as well from the Saints. You know, there's no excuses now. Perform up or... The, the problem is with Miami, if they miss out on the playoffs and they get and they get rid of Tua, their position in the draft next year is going to be around about late teens to early 20s. Not really the best position to be in for if you want to get a quarterback, considering next year's draft class is very, very top heavy. Um, so they have to, so they ha they have to get it done. They have to get a playoff spot this season. Uh, that's basically my pre pre predicament for them. They ever make the playoffs, or their season is a failure, or they tank for two as replacement. <laughs> I wonder if we'll get to that by the bye week. Yeah, if they're, if they're like one and nine, it'll be yeah, it's a long hashtag. Replacement. I am to a long hashtag. You know, two are tanked <laughs> might be better, but you know, <laughs> still. Uh... <laughs> oh, I think I've just think I'll just uh, spit of his drink there. <laughs> no, 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 you're all right. You're right there. You're right there. You're right there. Oh God. Um, Steve, just uh, coming back to your question as to whether or not he's the uh, the quarterback by week 11. I think he will be, but I think it's only the schedule that's going to save him. I also think it's the schedule that actually kills off the Dolphins before they get started. You take a look at their start. They play 
the Patriots, Ravens, Bills, Bengals. That's their first four games. I can easily see that being 0-4. I can easily see that being 0-4. Time out. I'm hearing a timeout. Timeout there. New England do not do well in Miami. Oh, wait, is it at home? Oh, yeah, it's yeah, at, home. at home. We, d- we right. don't do well in Miami. I mean, we All could right. su- one and bring three. the surprise, but... Yeah, one and three. I thought it was the other way around. I apologise, no. one and three. No. But then again, though, maybe, you know, the first game of the season, nothing's ever totally right. Maybe that curse is also the same. I don't know. But, we'll, just uh, yeah. swing in, we'll just swing back to New England. Bill Belichick feasts on first-year head coaches and rookie quarterbacks. Well, there so... you go. So, so the, not the, four. The, not the, four, you're uh, fine. You're fine, Norton Four. So then, then you've got then you got your fodder. You know, you got the Jets, Steelers should be fodder, Lions, Bears. So they'll get some confidence. You know, Texans. That middle bit, you're probably going to end up like five and two or something like that. Then you get Week Eleven, of which means that by that point, Tua is safe. People are there thinking, oh, you, you you were talking about the Miami winning seven on the bounce towards the end of last season. You know, it was all against fodder. It was all nonsense teams. And then, you know... As soon as they play Tennessee, that's it. They got found out. Exactly. Exactly. It was all just... It was all just pageantry. And then the end of the season, and this is where I particularly enjoy it. So after the Texans, they go to San Francisco. Then they play the Chargers, Bills, Packers, Patriots before then playing the Jets. Yeah. Thanks for coming. It's just... (laughs) You know, it, it's the schedule has royally screwed them. People say every every year, oh, you know, what's the point in even looking at the schedule? You're playing the teams. But no, there's a reason for it. Runs matter, and the Dolphins will only get mid-season momentum, but it might save Tua. I think what I would just to finish us off, what I would say is that is that don't forget the way that the NFL is heading. You look at the teams, and my own team is one of them, where I never thought the quarterback would be benched and and you know got rid of. So I thought about Carson Wentz. I had exactly the same thoughts as you about Carl about Carson Wentz. I was like, no, nah, he, he, there's no way, no way he'll ever be benched. Look at that. Week 13, he was benched. Off season, he was gone. And teams now are realizing that you, nowadays, if you haven't got the right quarterback, if the quarterback is not a top five guy or what you think is a top five guy in your conference. You, you get rid of him and you roll the dice again and you roll the dice again. The do you have the bollocks done... to do it as a first-year coach? Well, it's not his choice, is it? It's it's the GM, but it, Cleveland have just done it. Like, it, you know, Cleveland have just rolled the dice. The Baker wasn't good enough, rolled the dice, brought in a new quarterback. You know, um, Philadelphia did it. Uh, the Rams did it and they've won a Super Bowl. The Rams got rid of Goff and they've won a Super Bowl by doing it. So the league is changing, but these big, big contracts. Look at the, the dead cap hit that Atlanta have taken on Matt Ryan. You know, they, they're something like forty-seven million dollars or something stupid like that, because they get him out the door. Read, I know he's thirty-eight and he's you know obviously that's a bit of a different situation, but it just shows now that quarterbacks and dead caps and big contracts doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't matter if the quarterback is not the one, you get rid and you retool. And just to finish, Miami have two first rounders next year. They have San Francisco's, don't forget. So they have the oh, capital yes. to move up if they need to. So mm. the pressure is on to it even more. Two mid-round firsts to jump up into a top five pick. Wherever that's that before. Sounds about right. 
Yeah, so then I they pick up Trey Lance and then... I was going to say, depends on your view of Trey Lance. It could be quite a high first-round pick, but we'll wait and see. We'll get to the AFC West in due course. But, um, yeah, interesting team, the Dolphins. Certainly, like I say, a team potentially, certainly on the on the face of it, in terms of the moves they've made on paper, at least, you would think a uptick in terms of where they were last year. Can they carry that momentum over? And like I say, it'd be interesting to see what Mike McDaniel does with his first opportunity in the top job. It leaves us the New York Jets. So, Josh, I'm going to throw this one over to you, my friend. Uh, Second season under Robert Salah. Take it away, my friend. Yeah, this is where I need to start taking a look at my notes. Uh, we've 55 minutes in, and I've been able to really get into my uh, into into the Pats and Dolphins. Um, first of all, who the hell saw the Jets actually have the off season that they had? I would have thought it would have been another quite quiet, mundane off season where they quietly build. Oh no, they were the flipping darlings of. Uh, of the season opening where pretty much every single name was then being linked to, to the Jets and then confirmed by the Jets. CJ Azoma, Tyler Conklin, that's two very serviceable tight ends you've got there. Jordan Whitehead from the Bucks, safety. DJ Reed, corner at Seattle. And Lakin Tomlinson as well, the uh, 49ers O-lineman. Yeah, mm. that is... That's quite a bit of talent to bring in on the free agency market. You know, that's that is a lot of either that's a lot of love for Salah or just the city of New York. You know, pick one, but there's either that or it's just money, and it could well just be money. Um, money does talk after all. But yeah, in terms of in in terms of the statement of intent at least, at least to feign interest in doing well this season. The Jets have definitely shown intent and they've um you know they've definitely put it onto the uh onto those that are with, still with the team to perform now. Um especially with those tight end selections. You know, now, now Zach Wilson has outlets to throw out to. Uh, so and also Lakin Tomlinson should be able to shore up that line to be at least a semblance of what an O-line should be after the treatment that Zach Wilson uh, had. But then again, no, Zach Wilson's had a pretty good offseason himself, um, at least from a branding perspective. Uh, <laughs> as to how much we want to go into that is a uh, is a different story. But who who would have thought that his jersey sales would have that particular contingent buying it in the main? Uh, in any case, I digress. They also had a fantastic draft as well. Um, Source Gardner, Garrett Wilson, you know, those are two names that I would have definitely have had uh, down for the Browns or indeed any other team I have a soft spot for. It was also very needed in terms of positions as well. It does mean that all round they have got good, talented players in now so they can actually you know, at least start the, the rebuild has now got at least a blueprint um, I also quite liked the fact that they took Jeremy Rucker at, in the third round, the tight end out of Ohio State, just because tight end has been such a issue for them. And also judging by the way in which the O-line had failed the Jets last year and the need for these outlets and for, you know, almost a run heavy of it to be able to then throw the quick passes out. You know, it does seem like there is a... An, an almost Stefanski-esque offense brewing in uh, in New York for that. 
Um, you know, it's been shown to work, especially with offenses that aren't particularly powerful. Um, so, you know, I, I think the Jets have a good way forward with that. And also they've got people coming back as well. Um, anyone remember Carl Lawson? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I completely forgot about him before doing research for this part, I have to admit. And then all of a sudden it's like, yep, he's come back from his, uh, from his ruptured Achilles. And he apparently he was looking really good in camp before the start of that year. And it was a devastating injury for the team as well, because he was seen as a very important piece of that puzzle. So, you know, there is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hope in, in New Jersey for, um, for, for this year, just to see sprouts of growth. But as we've discussed on this pod, there is a lot to be encouraged for across the division. So they are, looking to close the divide it's probably going to be nowhere near enough but you know it's it's definitely a start yeah most definitely like you say i think you know the other big player that's going to come back as well of course is mckay beckton who mckay beckton as well yeah only, only played one game um last year um i think they're going to move him over to to right tackle as well it sounds like so they'll have um the two linemen that they drafted last year uh, man in that right side. So, yeah, certainly things, certainly trending upwards. And I've got to say, I do like Robert Sadler. I loved him at the uh, at the 49. He's just got one of those infectious personalities, hasn't he? He's the kind of guy that you'd want to play for. That's, well, certainly that's the way that he comes across, at yeah. least to myself. Carl, your view on the New York Jets? They've been bottom of this division for Christ knows how long now. I think they are the longest active streak, aren't they, of not making the playoffs, I believe, now, eventually after the Browns <laughs> made that yeah, that... Um, made that a couple of years ago, but I'm pretty sure it's now the Jets, isn't it, like 2010 since they made the playoffs or something crazy like that, so how, how, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying we're going to go as far as playoffs, but how, uh, how well do you think they're going to fare? Well, they're professional football's butt fumble for a reason, <laughs> um, but this off-season, they have actually surprising, surprised me very much of who they've with who they brought in. Um, as I said, Source Gardner at corner. I love this dude coming out of college. Absolutely love this dude. Um, so for me, I think the Jets, they, they just need to be competitive. They need to get out the funk of actually being the, a walking doormat for the rest of the AFC East and actually just try and be competitive. You know, I've, I've forgotten what their record was, but I don't know. Seven wins, eight wins, maybe this season for the Jets. That's a show of pro progression. That, that really would be progress. I mean, that's that's competitive. Yeah, but, I mean, I've just taught, I've just taught them up for five minutes, and I I think that that's that 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 would be beyond 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 their wildest expectations. I imagine you know that's yeah. that, that's but, really good. Yeah, but the defense needs to improve massively. Last season, obviously, Robert Sala came in, who defensive coordinator for the 49ers. The Jets were ranked dead last on defense across the board, which raised a few eyebrows saying, hang on, you bought this defensive genius in and you finished dead last. Yeah. Please explain that. So <laughs> this year is going to be a bit more interesting on the defensive side of the ball. Zach Wilson, he has to make some improvements. Um, Garrett Wilson, the receiver, will help him. So we'll we'll see how the Jets pan out. Uh, you know, just be competitive. I don't expect them to make the playoffs. I don't expect them to make the playoffs whatsoever. But just be competitive. If I see you only win four or five games again, well, I'm just going to laugh. 
But, but if you're in the mix, I mean, I have to admit, being being a Browns fan and watching those losing seasons, the only thing that kept me around was the fact that there was signs of progress. You know, and it's about looking for those. So even if it is five, six wins, as long as they're competitive within those games, even because it's a tough schedule, you know, the uh, the NFC North outside of the Packers be damned. But, uh, you know, it is still a very tough schedule for them. You know, I, I'd say that five to six wins would be a success for the Jets this year with a sign to then push on. Strange, strange little quirk with their schedule, isn't it? That they apply the entire AFC North in the first four weeks, which is yeah, a very, a very strange, very strange quirk in the schedule. Steve, your view on the New York Jets, my friend? It it must be so difficult to be a team that has been the basement team in the league for so for like as long as you can remember. And you, and obviously, I don't need to tell that to you guys because you guys, you know, as Browns fans, that you when you there was wasn't there a season a two seasons where it was one win and thirty six or something like that. Like then, what you're talking a, about? One win, team, one win, one win, one win. One win. When you're a team like that, it must be so difficult to make any sort of progress because you're constantly it's just just holes all over the roster. And then you, it comes up with the question of do players actually want to come and play for your team or is it just the big contracts you know do they just come because they can get paid because you've got loads of cap space because no one's on your roster um you know the jets are, are finally starting to to have some pieces you know zach wilson is it uh, you know question still remains over him but that's the quarterback question potentially answered at least for a little while um i like the pickup of uh, the uh, receiver in the first round um whose name is escaping me um Garrett wilson yes Gary Wilson, yeah. Although he's coming off an injury, I think he looked really, really good in college. Um, I thought their first, their first three picks, and we haven't even, um, we haven't even talked about um, Jermaine Johnson off the edge. I think he'll be a really, really good player for them. Um, so they're starting to fill holes and they're starting to fill gaps. And I think this season there's potentially going to be a lot of pressure on Robert Sala. You know, I agree. I think he's a really good character, but they have to start progressing. They finished four and 13 last season. Um, they have to start knocking on the door of, of new England and Miami to try. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that they're going to finish, you know, 10 and seven or something, but they have to start knocking on the door. Um, but mm. this is the, this is the problem when you get franchises like this that are, that are run really badly, that what will happen is if they don't, and they do finish like five and 12 or, you know, four, five, six wins, something like that, they'll tear it all down. They'll fire Robert Salah and it's back to the beginning. You know, they'll, they'll get rid of Zach Wilson, you know, look at what happened with Sam Darnold and all of the quarterbacks that have come before him in, in New York, that everyone thought was the answer and just hasn't been the answer. So they have to have some patience and decide if they're going to give Wilson some, some time and actually give him time. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, like I said, like you guys said, um, progress is going to be five or six or seven wins. It's not going to happen overnight. But if you are patient with it, eventually you can turn it around. I think they just need to give these people some time. Yeah, most definitely. I think it, it's one of those divisions that, like you say, you probably would expect it to finish in a very similar order to what it did last year. However, there are certainly signs that, you know, probably all the teams are sort of trending in the right direction and certainly becoming a much more competitive division than it was for that decade of Patriots dominance that we alluded to right at the outset of the podcast. That finishes us off nicely, fellas. And as we're talking about the Patriots, it gives me a chance to thank Carl once again for joining us tonight. Carl, where can our regular listeners be expecting to find the work of yourself and your uh, friends with regards to Patriots Touchback throughout the course of the season? So the Patriots Touchback podcast will be going live um, at some point next week. We have a a demo a demo podcast to get through first so that we coincide with how we're getting on. And then we will release our first episode, which will we'll talk mostly 
um, about training camp, how that has gone so far, and also a little bit of insight into how we became how we became Patriots fans as well. Um, and also, if you see down in my screen below, you'll see my little logo, KB Sports. It is my YouTube channel and also my Twitter name as well. So please hit me up on that. And I talk about New England Patriots. I talk about a dreaded football team I support in Arsenal. And I'm also a humongous UFC fan as well. And I do live stream for UFC as well. So please hit like and subscribe on the channel. And also follow us on Patriots Touchback when we do go live next week. Yeah, look forward to you becoming part of the network. We'll obviously be promoting it through full 10 yards as well. So I really appreciate you coming on today. And I'm sure we'll talk throughout the course of the off-season. In terms of us, though, at full 10 yards, I'd say great to be back behind the microphones tonight. It's been a little while. Uh, but we haven't been standing still. Like we say, the network has uh, started in its infancy. We'll be adding some more teams to it over the course of the coming weeks. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. But the other thing that we've been beavering away with, as we did for the last couple of years, is our off-season NFL guide um, for the 2022-2023 season. And it is available now for pre-order. I'm just going to have the final few touches and tweaks put to it. But you will be able to put your pre-orders in now. This year, it will be £15 for the digital and print copy combined, um, which we're pleased to say we've been able to do at 25% reduction compared to last year's price, doing everything that we can to get you the best quality product at the best possible price. So it'll be £15, which will get you a lovely printed copy as well as a digital one. If you just want the digital version, then they will be available for digital download at £5. And as we have done previously, if you are a fan of the podcast and you're listening along, the code is full 10. If you add that after you've added the product to your cart, you'll get a further 10% off. We're very generous, fellas. We like to think about the cost of living crisis in the UK at the minute, don't we? We're actually working for nothing here at the full 10 yards. Exactly. But, 35% uh, off. That's inflation busting. Um, even at, uh, well, at any sort of rate, really. Exactly. But most importantly, it will be full of content quality products again we're really really proud of it um and like i say we'll be good to go in a couple of weeks myself josh and steve will be back over the course of the coming weeks we'll be dropping podcasts probably on a slightly irregular basis over the course of the next weeks depending on when we can all get together and when we can line up some more guests from our network to help us preview the rest of the divisions next up will be the nfc east um, so I'm sure Steve can't wait to talk all things Philadelphia. Um, and I think we're going to be joined by Craig as well from um, the network. We'll introduce yeah, Craig in his Blue channel. UK as well. Yeah, someone yeah. to balance out, Steve, I think. We need a check and balance. Big, big, up, big up to um, Big Blue UK because they do an amazing job. They do. I've had one of their guys, I think it was Kevin, I think I had on my previous YouTube channel last year um, talking about the Giants as well. So, um, yeah, they do an amazing job there. And also they're going to be over there in London for when they face the Packers at Tottenham Stadium as well. So they're going to have a huge, huge following for that long for that well, long weekend as well as. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to getting all these guys and girls on as part of the network. Um, we're really proud of it. And like I say, hopefully it'll take off, give everybody the chance to put their content out there. If you're listening along to this and you're a fan of a team and you think, Do you know what, I'd like to get involved with that, just hit us up on uh, on Twitter. We're always happy to have a conversation with you and we'll see what we can sort out. But for now, 
My thanks to Carl, to Steve, to Josh. Like I said, it's been a pleasure to get back behind the mics. And we will see you very soon for the NFC East. Until then, take care and we'll see you soon.